What a move it was with 18 kilometres to go, attacking his breakaway companions. He can enjoy these final 300 metres. Ben King has been simply enormous. The Dimension Data team riding for Quebecer. They've got another story to tell. And hopefully this inspires more kids in Africa to ride their bikes. The American has been all the stars of the flag this afternoon. It's King who conquers La Covertia to collect his second stage victory at this is Walter Espana. And that now surpasses stage four as the biggest win in his career. And welcome back, cycling fans, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke, coming to you on a Labor Day weekend. I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good day off. Hopefully you had a day off. I, I was able to take the day off, do some chores, do a little writing, do a little contemplating about my uh, cycling and wondering why I'm doing this sometimes. Uh, but we'll get into that. Thank you for joining us. Um, today, it's just me. We don't have Chris Flower or Kurt Mills with us. Uh, Chris had some other engagements. Uh, Kurt, I don't know, he's up in the boonies doing something. But um, I swear, sometimes I think they're trying to sabotage this podcast uh, by not showing up. Because you know what? It truly is better with the both of them, okay? And both of them at the same time. All right. Well, anyway, let's get on. Uh, we're going to do a little Volta preview because we never got into that. A little recap to date. Some of the Ovo Energy Tour Britain uh, winter's road race here in Northern California. Do a little results and summary on that. Upcoming NCNCA races. I did the Masters uh, Criterium cha- uh, State Championships this last weekend. We'll talk about that. Winners and losers of the week and things that make you go, hmm. So thanks for joining us. All right, let's get right into the Vuelta. Uh, you know, we didn't really, we didn't do a preview on this and it's got a similar route as last year. I don't know if you followed us when we were doing almost daily updates on the Vuelta last year. But it starts down in the southern portion. Um, they hit some of the mountains and the climbs down there. They head up into the midsection where it's just more desolate. You'll see that. And then they head up to the north. They go and do a lot of the climbing up there. It's a big country. And then they come on down to Madrid again. So they've, they've gone through, what, uh, eight, nine stages so far? Uh, going into it, you know, sometimes the Vuelta is an afterthought to some people. You have the the Giro, the first uh, Grand Tour of the year, which some people target. I mean, you had Chris Froome targeting it this year. You also had Dumoulin and several Simon Yates. Uh, then you have the Tour de France. That's obviously people ta- uh, target that. So they come in hot. Everyone there is fit because it's the, the prime race for the season. And then the the Vuelta. And we talked about this last year. You know, this is the first one for quite some years. You haven't had a Contador or Froome in there. And so who's coming in? And Froome's actually taken this race on uh, quite um energetically the last several years that he's gone there so it's not him just showing up which you see some of these uh, gc guys and they don't really participate much they get blown out or they're using it for training for something or they get told basically they have to show up there for their sponsor uh it's funny i was listening to uh, the cycling podcast and they were talking to um uh, sean yates about when he won i think in, in 1988 and at the time then he rode for Cass, uh and it was a uh, spanish team so he was always courted into doing uh, the, the Vuelta and all these Spanish races. And 
they basically that was their target for the year was the Vuelta. So he ended up winning it in eighty eight. He almost won it in eighty seven, but had a saddle sore so bad. I think he pulled out with like two or three uh, two or three stages to go. Either way, you, the contenders. So you have some of these people. It's a redemption race for some. Some have been focusing on it. Some are there. You know, the Worlds this year is pretty tilly. So other riders are coming, kind of trying to get in prep. So let's go over some of the GC. You had, first of all, through the race, you have two time trials. Stage one was a time trial, eight kilometers. And then stage 16 is a 32.7K. Uh, there's some sprint stages, possibly nine. But when you say sprint stages in the Vuelta, um, look, there's lack of sprinters teams. Last year, you had Matteo Trenton come in. And I think he won three stages by virtue of the fact that there just wasn't much sprint competition. So if you got a, a sprinter that can get over some climbs, um, you got a good chance at, at knocking out multiple stage wins. Matteo Trenton. Well, he hasn't had one this year. But anyway, there's about nine such stages that you've got to get over some climbs. You've got to be able to get to the finish. And then some of those finishes, which I think we saw in stage eight, actually had a punch uphill. So it's it's not as sprinty as you would hope. Um, with that, there's like possibly nine stages, lack of sprinters teams. There's going to be a lot of feature breakaways. Um, and then obviously a lot of climbing stages. Who are the GC contenders? Well, coming into it, we had, and I'll just name off a few here, and then we can knock off some that have already uh, bowed out. Richie Port, BMC, Vincenzo Nibali, uh, TBM, uh, Bahrain Merida, Miguel Angel Lopez, Superman from Astana, Emmanuel Bachman from Bora Hansger, Thibaut Pinot from Group uh, Groupama Pharma, um, FDJ, uh, Simon Yates from Mitchelton Scott, Nairo Quintano from Movistar, Louis Menches from D- Dimension Data, Rigoberto Ann for EF Education, Ilnar Zakharin from Katusha, Stephen Kreuzwick and George Bennett, both of Team Lotto Jumbo, Mikhail Kwiatkowski from Sky, Wilco Kellerman from Sunweb, Baka Melema from Trek Sigafredo, and Fabia Aru of UAD. And you also have Dan Martin in the mix there too. Uh, Dan Martin has not shown that he's basically interested at all in GC, so he goes out the wayside. We'll start with Fabia Aru. He has, I think, tried, but he just hasn't been able to hold on. He's gone. Um, Ilner Zacharin's had some trouble. Men- Louis Menchies hasn't really been in the mix there. Thibaut Pinot's lost some time, but he's still holding on. Vincenzo Nimbley has not been well. And speaking of not being well, Richie Port actually had stomach issues coming in. I don't know what his his plans were in the overall anyway, but Richie Port had stomach issues. He wasn't even at the team presentation. He didn't do so good in the first time trial. He, I think, blew his time out on stage two. And so he's gone too. All right, so let's just go over some of the recaps from what you've had. You had stage one, uh, time trial, Ron Dennis takes a red jersey. Yeah, they have a red jersey. And with about a six-second win over Kwiatkowski of Sky. Very impressive win and somewhat of a redemption for his near win at the Giro. Uh, this is also, he took the uh, jersey last year in the Vuelta with the team time trial. BMC wins it. He's the first to cross the line. So it's not his first go-ahead, uh, go-around with getting the red jersey of the Vuelta. By the way, the, the jersey color of the Vuelta it hasn't always been red. It used to be yellow. It was golden. I think it was orange one year. It's red now. They've, you know, the Vuelta also used to be the first Grand Tour of the year early on. It was the Vuelta two weeks, and then they had the Giro, and then they had the Tour de France. So think about that. The Grand Tours were done and over in July, but the Vuelta has now moved to this time of year. Better weather, hot, a little spot, different spot on the calendar, and here's you have it. 
Uh, stage two with a short uphill finish, kind of like an Ardennes classic type. And you'd think, oh, Kwiatkowski has a good chance of this. Well, Valverde does too. And he ends up taking a big loser on the day was Richie Porte, who came into the race with, like I said, stomach issues. And they obviously didn't resolve themselves. Uh, stage three, we then had the sprinters got a chance. Elio Viviani of Quick Step takes the win over Viz- Vizzolo, uh, Nizzolo, sorry of Team Trek Sigafredo and Peter Sagan. Peter is in the race as well. You know, he's gone through the divorce or he's going through one. He didn't have, uh, he had an okay Tour de France. He got injured. He was one of the sprint, he won the green jersey. He was one of the sprinters to actually make it to Paris. Uh, now he's in this race. Maybe he's trying to, I, I don't think he's got a chance at Worlds, but you never know. I mean, I wouldn't have thought Greg Van Avermaet would have had a chance at the Olympics a few years ago. And, at the, and, and you know, Sagan didn't think he had a chance as well. So he decided to do a mountain bike race. Double flats, I think, right to begin with. His chance are out on the mountain bike. Greg Van Avermaet, a very similar rider, takes the win. Maybe Sagan says, eh, I got to give it a shot anyway. You never know. Probably not, but you never know. Stage four. Okay, so this had a finishing climb around 10 kilometers, and it was going to be a GC shakeout. They got to break up the road. You've got Ben King, the American Ben King from Deem Dunn Mention Data. You also had... Uh, Pierre Roland from EF Education First, two teams that had not had a world tour victory as of yet. And then you have, I think, I'm trying to remember the guy's name that took off with Ben King. And it was an Astana rider, Stilnov or something like that. And they ended up holding off. Um, You have Roland almost catching them right as they're catching about two or 300 meters, which is a little uphill finish. Uh, Ben King takes off and ends up uh, getting the win. So Team Dimension Data ends up getting the first World Tour victory of 2018 with American Ben King. And then you have an American team right behind with a Frenchman, Pierre Roland, just missing out. Now, those two are former teammates. And I think you can see with the finish that Ben King would have easily beat him, even if Pierre Roland would have been with him. So, And those two have been in breaks together. Former teammates, I think they knew how each other rode. I don't think um, Pierre Roland had much of a shot on that one because I think Ben King just came into that one looking. And we'll talk a little bit about him and things that make you go, hmm. Um, Steve, stage five, the day after Team Dimension Data gets off the list of the World Tour teams without a stage win, EF Education First does the same thing with the breakaway and their road captain, Aussie, Simon Clark. Now all 2018 World Tour teams have a victory. Uh, compare that, it's just interesting, compare the one win by Dimension Data and EF with almost 40 wins by Quick Step. And they tie now Quick Step for many wins in this uh, Vuelta. Stage six. Port seems to be a little recovered. He decides to go on a breakaway, a three-man break. He says, and it's a flat stage. He's feeling better. He's out there working. But he even says in some interviews, oh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't ever going to uh, last. I don't know why a guy like him decides to go on a breakaway on a kind of a flattish day when he doesn't think it's going to last. I mean, they, he was out there for 90-plus kilometers. Uh, they get reeled in. I think it was around 15K to go. There's some of these bollards in the middle of the road that the riders hit. Those are the kind of things that took out um, – Writer for Chuck Sigafredo, uh, American. Um, why am I blanking on his name? But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. He lives up there in uh, Napa area now. And about broke his leg a few years ago on the Basque Tour of the Basque Country. And the same kind of thing was in the middle of the road here. Some riders hit it, started causing trouble. Next thing you know, um, there's wind and teams are splitting up. 
and there's some weird descent with some the road that's kind of uh, broken broken up and it's just chaos all over the place it looked like a quick step you had ef education first coming to the front kind of driving things trying to do their best quick step impression in the classics type of thing breaking up the field and near the end you finally have tony galapan a french rider for agtr jumping away and holding off in the last one plus k uh, and I had a little pitch up to finish as well where Peter Sagan and uh, Alejandro Valverde um, get second and third. And with kind of a mix of whole riders in here, you had Iran at sixth place, Sepp Kuss getting 10th because he was leading out his team there. So American Sepp Kuss, by the way, who's had a phenomenal uh, Vuelta as we've seen so far. Very impressive coming off his tour of Utah. Maybe we'll talk about him a little bit as well. So then you had stage eight. Um, you had actually that one had a, a pitch up to the finish and it was a little deceiving. A lot of the sprinters got jettisoned out of there, but one that didn't was Danny Van Poppel, the Lotto Jumbo team. So you had their guys, once again, Sepp Kuss kind of doing a lead out for the race and Van Poppel has a good punch, but man, uh, and it looks like Sagan's going to win this. He starts coming around and you're like, this is what he does. Sagan takes the win and actually old man Valverde pips him at the line. So Peter Sagan doesn't look like he's in his best form because this would should have been a no a no brainer. But um, you go Valverde, Sagan, Van Poppel, and then you've got you know mixing here with uh, Izagiri, Nizolo. So you do have a sprinter, Harada, Yates, uh, Kroizuik in tenth. I mean, so it's a real mix of some sprinty types, some classic Ardennes classic types, and obviously the GC types. Stage nine, which goes right into a Sunday uh, before the rest day on Monday today. And it was an exceptional stage where he had a decent break off and he had Ben King, Mullema, and a few others in the in the break. And just watching that for the last, I don't know, 25, 30K, there's a few guys keep trying to, to jump. Oh, uh, Lawrence, no, not Lawrence Tendam, but you had, um, I'm blanking on all these guys' names, but uh, another Dutchman, uh, Thomas DeGent, there you go, <clears throat> uh, in the break, you know, specialist for this kind of thing. And I'm watching it, and as guys are going, Ben King looks super snappy getting up to any of them. He's having no trouble closing the gaps down. He's not looking bad, and, you know, he's a decent climber. Uh, you know, a few years ago, in the, uh, he was on a stage in the Criterium du Def, uh, uh, Criterium International, I think it was. Uh, but he's also, and, and I'll get to, I have it marked down here. We'll talk about that a little bit later where he gets a second or third to, it was, uh, Simon Geshka was second and Alberto Contador was first in a pretty tough climate Torreno Adriatico, I think, uh, finish and super, super steep. Matter of fact, Geshka, if you watch that over, he's actually page paper bowling back and forth. It's, it's the climb is so steep. And Ben King hangs on. He's not a, he's not a bad climber at all. Well, what you have in this is he gets about a minute and a half gap. Uh, going into the bottom of the final, what, seven, eight kilometer climb, which has sections up to like 15%. And he kicks it and uh, Bacamolivar closes it down to about at one point, you know, 18, 20 seconds. But he never is able to actually fully close that down. And Ben King goes on to win two stage wins. Uh, American, uh, so I have team dimension data gets their, you know, they have two wins compared to quick step in this race. I mean, who's going to who's going to understand that? Uh, but the real race behind, you had the GC race, which gets shaken up, and Wilco Kelderman kind of hits it out at the top. You know, you look at this race, this stage, it's very barren road. It's out in the middle like a desert ski hill, and the wind starts taking effect. Kelderman hits the, the front, drops a bunch of people off, 
and uh, ends up with Simon Yates in the lead overall, getting the yellow red jersey. Uh, um, one second over Valverde. You got Quintana, Buckman, uh, Izaguri, Tony Gallopin, uh, Miguel Angel Lopez, Rigoberto Urran, Stephen Kwasuk, and George Bennett for the top 10. All right, so what have we actually looked at and seen? One is your no show quick Kowski there, which I think he's down two minutes. I'll take a look and see what his actually. Okay, so here for the overall right now, you have Kelderman is 150 back. He had a, I think, a bike problem at one point. You have quick Kowski at 210, Pubo Pino 233, Ben King at 241, which is funny. Rudy Merlard, who had been in the, the red jersey, gets dropped out there quite significantly on that day. Uh, ben Keep and Two times he's got the stage win. He's been the virtual leader at one point in the stage for the uh, red jersey. So, you know, he may be looking for more opportunities, but I don't, they're not going to be giving it to him with him being so close to the overall lead at this point. He's just not going to get the leash. Uh, not that he has a chance for the overall, but he has been focusing on this race and obviously put in his good training and his, it's come to fruition. So good for him. And and just uh, mentioned today, I saw on the news where he um, has signed again with Team Dimension Data. They've confirmed signing him up. So uh, obviously you couldn't let him uh, be out there in the transfer market much longer with the results he's had. And I don't know if, you know, these two stage wins were the seal of the deal or if he, they'd already been coming down the road. Uh, either way, it's good good news for him and good to see. So who else do you have kind of coming up in here and, and some of the surprises? Well, like I said before, Kwiatkowski's looked pretty good. He's, what, two-something back. Uh, Team Sky has not looked that great. So you're not. it's kind of interesting. You're not seeing a, a Sky dominance, and it's kind of fun to actually watch a different type of race that you are actually getting to see uh, different riders to the fore. One team that is you know, it's a little bit, they're riding more like Team Sky, but they're not able to finish it off like Team Sky is uh, Lotto Jumbo. So you have what, three, four guys usually there at the end. One of them is Sepkus, who just looks phenomenal on the climbs. I mean, he looks really at ease. He takes, he's sometimes sitting on the back and then he gets his riders, Croyswick and Bennett, takes him up to the front. Now, Croyswick and Bennett have just had a little trouble finishing things out. I mean, Croyswick, did do the tour, got what, fifth in the tour. He looked really good there. George Bennett, uh, you know, a little bit more young and not had the the finishes that Kroizuk has had. So, you know, I think it was seventh or so on the tour last year before he was got real sick and had to come out. But anyway, it's been interesting to see them kind of take a little bit more lead. Then you have Movie Star with two guys up in the top, Valverde and Kutana. Kutana looked really good on the climb when Kelderman hit out. Uh, it had been him taking the lead, him being Nairo first, and then... It's been um, Kelderman who took over from him. But, you know, you're going to see probably a battle. Nairo looks really pretty good there. I don't suspect Tony Gallopin is going to be staying up. Uh, Lopez, Superman, who last year's Vuelta looked phenomenal. He's not quite on that kind of form right now, at least it looks like. But then I think he just did either the Tour or the uh, the Giro. So it's not his his first one of the year. And then Rigoberto Urand, who had crashed out of the Tour, um, he's been looking pretty good. And it's actually his team has been looking pretty good. I know Woods... It uh, looks like he had crashed pretty hard. He was in a break the other day for quite a while. And then on stage nine, he had actually uh, been up there much longer than he had previously. Not to mention Simon Yates. So you got Simon Yates, who may be doing a little bit of a renaissance or comeback, you know, uh, 
from the how he had done so bad. Well, he had done exceptionally well at the Giro, and then fallen so quickly at such a. He and Thibaut Pino, you know, Pino did that as well. So it would be interesting. And Aru, I mean, you got those guys in here, and the only one that really is is on form again is Yates. And you know, you'd much rather see be the person that's in the lead that maybe crashes out and crashes being, you know, body just can't handle it. Then the guys like a who's already fallen way down and well, he's in 11th place at, uh, why do I, he's only one away back. You know, it seems like he's, he's worse, but maybe he's just hanging in there. I don't know. That's uh, I don't expect much out of him. Tell you the truth. He hasn't looked all that great. All right. So that's what we have for the, uh, the, the Vuelta, and we'll take a little look at what's coming up this week. So we have a rest day today. Tomorrow is going to be a flat day on uh, stage uh, 10, and you're going to see pretty much the sprinters. You don't get uh, too a lot of chances for that in the Vuelta, but you, this one you definitely have. It's one of the more pancake flat races that you have. But then you start having um, the next day, stage 11, 209 kilometers, a lot of little climbs up and down. It's just uh, not so good. Uh, stage 11 on, or 12 on Thursday is got two category climbs, but that might be a sprinter's one as well. But come Friday, you're going to have some some nasty stuff with a, a Valde Sabrera La Campanera. And it's got two nasty climbs. A finishing climb does not look healthy at all. Uh, then Saturday, you've got one, two, three, possibly four ending summit finishes and four climbs with a summit finish. Uh, to Les Pres Nova and then Logos de Cavadonga on Sunday with another finish of top to climb. Then you get a rest day and you get a time trial and then you get some more climbing. So it'll be a, a good last two weeks. And, you know, depending on how the heat is, it's been really hot there. Uh, see how those guys go. Let's talk about some world tour transfers and news. Last week, we talked about a bunch of them. Danny Pate retiring, UHC stopping sponsorship, Jelly Belly going out. This week, we had Aqua Blue disbanding, and there's been a lot of stuff out on the web about that. I heard the interview with um, their owner, Delaney, I think is what it is, some Irish guy that owns Aqua Blue. Interesting fact, too, his daughter is also married to uh, Caleb Ewing. Caleb came out and was defending him and people were ripping Caleb all up and down. Oh, it's your father-in-law, which I understand. But it sounds like to me, uh, the big issue when you hear the, the, the interview is that the team was horribly disgusted with the three T bikes and the service. I mean, which is interesting because it's Gerald Vrooman, Vrooman who used to have Cervelo and the Cervelo test team. So it's not like it's, it's, you know, a new company three T, which makes really good handlebars decided to make bikes and they're suddenly thrown into the world of bikes and not sure what, I mean, Vrooman had a full on team. So, and he's been doing bikes for a long time. I don't, you know, he did lose, I think a, a lawsuit on that, but anyway, it's, so it was interesting that, you know, I didn't heard Adam Blythe uh, on a show. Uh, I think it was Wiggins show. And just, it basically said, this is the, the, the worst crap ever. Well, I think about it. I mean, I just did a winter's road race. I used my 1152 or 53, whatever I have. And then my 39, 28 during the race. I mean, so there's a full range. They don't have that. I, I don't care if you've got 10, 12 gears in the back. If you've only got one up front, you're missing out on a lot. And you try to do a world tour racing with that. I just don't think the one by has a place for that, especially when teams are not anywhere near. You're putting weight on a bike. So to, to make sure that you're complying with the rules, uh, you're not saving enough weight with a one by to that you have to do that to get it down to this certain level that to, to make you competitive. Bikes are not in that way anymore. 
Plus, Blythe basically said it was a crap bike. He said it was a track bike trying to be making it into a road bike. So, I, I don't know. There was the, and then you just had, I mean, they pulled out of Tour of Britain. Team disbanded. It sounded like uh, what they were saying was they were trying to come out. They had a two or three year contract with 3T. And the only way that they felt they can get out of it was to buy up this other team, the Verandas Willems Crellin team um, and Spider company was the name of the the, the, the the pain agent and to be able to 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 breach their contract or to get out of their contract with 3t they needed to do that to transfer over so they would have a, a reason to do that and that when that deal fell through which sounds like it was a shitty shitty uh, negotiations there as well according to the owner of aqua blue that is that when that all fell through this fell through and that he could not continue with the 3t bike situation it sounds like a, he, he, the way he, he sounds very earnest and truthful when you hear the interview. He did an interview with Cycling Podcast, um, but it's almost too fanciful to to really go onto all of that, that a bike sponsor would ruin your entire existence. Now, part of the problem there, too, is, you know, Aqua Blue had this 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 just situation where they're an online store going to be supporting the team is a great concept. Self-supporting is a little bit more like, you know, hey, you've got, uh, you know, the o- Oakland Athletics and you're able to buy their gear and you're, you're, you know, everything you do goes back to them and you're able to support them. And so you have this concept, which is a little bit different and it didn't work out. Um, did you buy anything from Aqua Blue online? You know, I mean, I buy everything from from Amazon, and all these other places, but not Aqua Blue. Maybe I should have. Maybe they should have made it a little easier, or I don't know. Related to that, you had the Verandas Wellums Krellen team, which was squashed with them, but now they're being Krellen. I don't think that is joined uh, Room Part. So there's a whole new team that's going, and now the guy. <laughs> I'm trying to remember their. Um, their main cyclocross guy, he's he's basically complaining that he doesn't want to be a part of this. So who knows? Uh, Gavin Mannion to rally. That was another one we had, which was uh, pretty good. Rally, as we know, UHC pulled out. Gavin Mannion had a pretty good end of the year. You also have some other ins and outs. Uh, the World Tour, you know, the, uh, Cycling Weekly has a little link you can do for all the transfers, ins and outs of the world if you're looking for more. And we'll probably update those as they come along. All right, let's talk about some winners and losers from the World Tour. Oh, first of all, we didn't talk about Tour of Britain. Maybe we should go to that first. Look, Tour of Britain, one thing that they lost out of this was the Aqua Blue team. So they don't have the Aqua Blue team coming to there. I know Larry Warbass was saying he was focused on this. He said he hasn't been this light. He's hit his race weight. He hasn't been this light in a long time. Um, so his team, he's not even able to race. The Wiggins team was able to come in and fill the void for that. So they are actually racing the... Uh, Tour of Britain this year. Uh, stage one was won by Andre Greipel, which was just ahead of Caleb Ewing. And uh, I'm not sure it was, it almost looked like Philippe was in there. Um, but then a Wiggins guy was third. So pretty good for him. Uh, Caleb Ewing and Greipel, interesting. They're going at it as uh, Greipel is going to a lower end team next year. And um, you have Caleb Ewing going to Greipel's Lotto, Lotto uh, Sudal team. So interesting uh, that they were battling it out there as well. Greipel to Fortunale. That's who he's going to. That's right. Um, stage two was won by Cam Meyer, uh, Cameron Meyer of Mitchelton Scott. So Mitchelton Scott finally does get their win, uh, even though Caleb couldn't close it the day before. And we'll keep you updated as to how that race goes in the near future. All right. So some winners and losers. Um, World Tour. How do you, as an American, not pick Ben King? Um, 
pretty big winner as it goes. And both Ben King and Sepp Kuss, pretty excited about the way that they've both ridden, uh, different ambitions, different ways to go. I mean, uh, it almost makes you think that if Sepp was just focusing, he could maybe get a, a victory here himself, the way he's riding in some of these. But, you know, he's has different ambitions and he's, you know, just cutting it short near the finishes when he needs to. Otherwise, you know, Ben King is, is doing it for the Americans and uh, very impressive. As far as the losers go on the world tour, I mean, Aqua Blue, you know, we've talked about them enough, but all those riders out, uh, the owner said they're going to be paid through the end of the year. Uh, on in contract, they had uh, five riders that were uh, out of contract going into the next year. Now, let me let me explain that. Five riders that he had signed, he said. So he expects three of them to not have a problem signing with other teams or they had an option. Two of them he wasn't so sure about. However, he said um, since he had five of them under for contract for next year that he would honor those contracts next year. That wasn't a problem. So those five guys, if they can't get another team, supposedly they're going to be paid for the next for 2019 uh, season as well. We've got coach Nate Dunn, a data-driven athlete. He supplies us uh, some coaching tips, and this week's will be on motivation. I'm sure you're having maybe some motivation this off-season, uh, so stay tuned for that. Hi, this is Nate Dunn from Data Driven Athlete with a quick coaching tip. So one of the hardest things to do throughout a season is to maintain the motivation to continue to ride hard. And one of the best adjustments I've found is to purposefully offload your most intense efforts for competitive environments. So that might be obviously a group ride during the week or maybe a race on the weekend, but also maybe purposefully inserting, uh, you know, going after some, some personal records on different Strava segments uh, in place of really intense workouts during the week. And one of the benefits to this is that obviously uh, it enables you to continue to maintain riding at a high intensity. But more importantly is that these high intensity efforts, I think, are generally less psychologically expensive when they happen in the context of competition as opposed to having to kind of manufacture those yourself. So that would be the the, the best adjustment um, that I've found to maintain riding hard throughout a season is to make sure that as you as the motivation begins to wane, uh, that you limit your most intense efforts uh, to competition. If you have any other questions or want to dig into some more training content, you can head over to our website at datadrivenathlete.com. Thanks. All right, so USA Crit Series. Uh, look, I didn't, I didn't get really into the the one that they had this weekend. It was Gateway in St. Louis. I think they had three races there. Um, I think they were all won by the same rider. He's the US ch- uh, Crit Champion. And I'll get to that name here in a second. But when I do, uh, first of all, I just wanted to say Timmy Bauer of Oak Valley Community Bank and Josh Carlin, also of Oak Valley Community Bank, both headed out there to the USA Crit Series uh, to do those. And I saw online so that uh, there was a, a short video that um, I think it was the Saturday night race that uh, Timmy Bauer had posted up uh, of him in the race when he, he, he crashed out. And it was, it was pretty wacky because what you ended up seeing was on I think a few just a few laps to go there's a rider the, the road kind of splits the rider's kind of coming back through everybody and Timmy decides to take the right behind this other rider 
And those guys are going past a guy on the left. And the guy that they're going past is just going slower because they're probably coming from off the front. And the rider right in front of Timmy decides that he's going to take his hands off his bars and he's going to push the guy in the hip because he's pissed off that this guy is basically getting in his way. And he doesn't have to. I mean, he can he can ride by. And when he pushes off to him on his left, he basically pushes himself into the rider on the right. And then he goes down and he takes Timmy and everybody with him. And it, it looks pretty pathetic when there was no need really to be t- taking your hands off the bars and going down at all. So sucks for those guys. I hope everyone's okay and that they're, you know, be able to take the take the line and another one. And it also a good reminder out there not to uh, be taking your hands off the bars and just, you know, kind of worry about your own self. Use your elbows, use your your hips and your shoulders, but uh taking your hands off the bars is just I don't know. It ruined everybody's night it looked like. All right, so on the local scene, um weekend or so ago, we had the Winter's Road Race. This was it's a phenomenal event. Um, I really enjoy this race. This one, it's the there's a difficulty and there's a climb that's you know anywhere from 12, 10, 12 minutes, 13 minutes, depending on how, how fast you're going. And it's got a nice kicker at the last, it's about 0.9 kilometers or so. And then there's a nice little snaky descent. And then you have this, this loop. And it's about a 25-mile loop. Um, I'm in the Masters. We do three laps of that. The P12 field does four laps of that. I like it because... For me, it it shakes out some of the sprinters, and it's still and then the sprint itself is just a gradual kick uphill. It's not much of a kick, but it's it, you're coming up pretty fast, and all of a sudden it's just a little bit of a rise. Uh, and the the climb itself will shake some people out. So if I'm riding well, for me personally, it works pretty well because I can get over the climb and I can get into a group, the, a more diminished group, and then my sprint has a better chance. So anyway, we go in there. There's multiple categories, but they do a one that a few years ago they had decided to add in, which is 30 plus instead of a 35, but it's a 30 plus cat one, two, three. And we were able to field, what, six of us in there. So we had uh, a bunch of us that were in there um, because of the age. So we ranged from like 32 or so all the way up to 47 for me. All the way up to 47. So um, it was an interesting race. There was, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 in the race. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. We had a, a rider, Stefan Creason, who we were gunning for. Um, he goes uphill pretty good, and he also finishes it pretty well. And just kind of see how that shakes out. First time up to climb, there was us. There was a Sierra Nevada. They had a what, few riders. We had a rider off the front with one of their riders. Um, almost caught them on the first climb up. There were some t- riders from Tarun. San Francisco Squadra and uh, presented by Tarun. And they had what, three, four riders. And the first time over, you know, shake, I don't know, half the field out, uh, regroup, except for there's two guys off the front, one of our teammates again, Nick. And then another rider ends up bridging. Anyway, there's three off the front. They stay off until the climb again. We, Nick Castor, our, our guy, we catch him on the climb. And as we go over the second time, uh, there's like five of us now. I get in a little group. We're, we're, we're chasing on. Uh, then the group comes back to us. You know, there's two Tarun guys that, that weren't really interested in, in working. And there were two. And then we had, what, three, four, four data-driven, two uh, Tarun, and then one Sierra Nevada. And then the group kind of meshes again. I don't know. There's 15. We get another group of our guys off the front to make the Tarun guys chase. Going into the final climb, uh, we have our teammate Nick goes up the road again. There's like a third break. And as we hit the bottom climb, there's, well, let me, let me backtrack. So 
and we're not going to take too long describing how this whole thing went down. But when we went up the climb the second time, they were we were getting mixed in with all these other groups, uh, the the thirty five plus. Uh, there was a cat three or four group that was getting mixed in. And they, we just kept going back and forth past each other because, uh, you know, we had a guy up the road. So then people weren't chasing. So then you're 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 sitting up more. And the next thing you know, they're doing the same thing. They're guys up the road and then they're sitting up and then they're chasing back and then they're coming through us and we're coming through them. So we have the 35s. Then there was us, the 30s. And then there was like the cat. Um, we'll just call them the cat fours were behind us. Uh, coming into the bottom of the climb where all of a sudden a guy in our group just takes off. Well, you have to chase him. I don't know who he is. He's a little guy. So we're thinking he might be this phenomenal climber. We don't know who he is. And then he just decides he's going to power right through the 35. So they have, they're kind of pulling over. We're flying past them on the right before the start of the climb. And then as we hit the climb, the force come through. So you have three groups all mixed in. Then what happens is the 35s just pull over about halfway up the climb. They pull over and decide to just let us cruise through, which was phenomenal for the, I mean, it was very mature that they did that because it was just a cluster. And so anyway, good, good call out for the 35s for, for doing the mature thing. Uh, didn't really mix in with them too much more, even though they sat up pretty good. Uh, there was still back and forth with that fours group all the way to the finish. It was, it was weird. Uh, anyway, coming into the climb the last time, we had Stefan Creason and then um, Sierra Nevada's uh, Eric Nelson took off. And I think they had softened up the Troon guys enough where they weren't able to take off. And there's a small group over the top. There's maybe seven of us. And then uh, we had three D- DDA in there. Well, Eric Nelson ends up taking the win over Stefan, our teammate, narrowly finishing over there. And then we had our teammate, uh, Chris Flower was able to kind of lead out Jason Smith and I, and I was able to take the field sprint for third, Jason Smith for fourth, uh, over uh, Tarun guy, Brian Schuster. So good day there. We had a lot of fun. Uh, It was fun doing all the team tactics stuff with uh, Sierra Nevada. They had a good showing. Um, Nate Dunn, Chris Flower, Chris, uh, sorry, Nick Caster, Jason Smith, Tyler Yonke, and Stefan Creason all in there for data-driven athletes. So we had a we had a good time. So we read off some of these other ones. So you had the, the pro one twos, you had Cooper Shanks of the Dolce Vita winning the P one two, William Downing in second, Adam Naguib of TMB development in third, Chris Coble deciding to do the P one two and Josh Carleen running out the top five. Uh, Eric Nelson, Stefan, Tyler, Jason Smith, Brian Schuster in the Masters 30 to 123. Um, Rick Hufford of the Mike uh, Folsom Bikes was in there for sixth place. Then you had Squadra, Davis Bike Club. Anyway, it was it was a good smattering. Chris Flower ends up with tenth, um, even though he was cramping on the days. Good for him. Uh, the Masters thirty five. Richie Voss of Some Power takes the win over Dana Williams of Team Mike's Bikes. Jeremy Cattell of Touchstone Racing in third. Um, we had the Masters forty five. Tom Lyons of Thirsty Bear, of course. Uh, Hayden McKay of R four R Make a Wish. And Menko Jensen, uh, Penn Velo rounding the top three there. Oh, Chris Baker in fifth uh, for touchstone as well. Uh, he's very strong razor. Uh, Masters 55, Dan Shore and Kevin Metcalf go one, two there for Fun Sport and Pete's. The women's P1, Eleanor Weisman wins for the She Spoke. Amanda Coker in second. That's Cat Threes. Uh, the P12, they had one entrance, which was Ellie Velez, the DNF. I don't know what, what happened there. can't imagine you'd get dropped if you're the only one, but maybe she had a bike problem or just didn't want to ride. Uh, women's Masters, 
Casey Myers, uh, Amy Moore, and Shannon Gaffney go one, two, three for there. Masters. Masters also did uh, the World Championships. Um, Dan Bryant takes third for the individual time trial over in Italy. We'll have to get a report from Brian Zimney on how the whole thing went. You know, my whole thing is, Brian, it's a it's a grand fondo. Should we uh, give it the credit it seems? Is it, I mean, you said it was pretty interesting. It was so awesome. It's going to be hard to describe. So we'll look forward to your description. We'll bring you back in studio and have you talk about that. All right. So NorCal winners and losers. You know, I should probably talk first, though. Let's go to this weekend's um, Masters and Juniors Crit Championships. We'll go through, read some names off and some winners, and then I'm going to talk about the 45 to 49 real quick before we move on and get out of here. In the Junior 11-12 Open, Nolan Ariano and Richard Jones go 1-2. Doesn't look like there's any more than just those two. Uh, the 13-14 Arten Duransoy and Matthew Amara. And Jace Stone go one, two, three. The men, uh, junior 15 to 16, Finn Thompson of Davis Bike, Riley Mullen of Team Swift, Andrew Essler of Jackaroo, one, two, three. In the 17 18, Crichton Gruber of Team Swift wins that. He's He's been doing, I think he was in the top 10 or so in the, the men's uh, P12 Winters Road Race. So he's, he's the guy we've talked about all season. He won our. $100 prize for Nevada City as well. Stephen K. Miller of the Tiano Duro Junior Cycling Team and our friend Jonah Kellogg of Team Swift comes in third. Juniors 9 to 10, Max Doyle, Brady Ariano, and David Avery. And, you know, let me look back up here because I know a friend. I'll have to see who it is. He's a kid that rides with us on the weekends, and I'm not sure of his name, but he uh, rides with Nabil Saman and his uh, his dad does as well. Then I'll have to get his name to make sure I, I get that right. Okay, uh, now the Masters 30. So you had Jonathan de Guzman and Jeff Linder. So they had a Masters 30. I don't know if what the uh, I don't know if they get a better jersey, but there was only two I think of them that actually registered. They raced with the 35s. So good job, Jeff Linder and uh, Tarun and Jonathan Desmond of SB SDBC. I don't know what team that is, but good job. Then you had the 35s, Sam Benedict. You know, that's who I would have predicted. He's been a real fast finisher. Team Mike Spikes, Chris Colville in second, James Enright of Squadra Tyrone, and Ariel Herman of Thirsty Bear, Thirsty Bear, along with Zach Morvant taking one through five. You have the Masters 40 to 44. They didn't have a big group either. Jeremy Cattell, Touchstone Racing, wins that. Stephen Huffman, Hoffman of SJBC, and Matt Michael, of Tarun Elite doing one, two, three. All right, then you come to the category I raced in, uh, the 45, 49, and you get the winner, Scott Giles of Rock Solid Cycling, uh, Chris Phipps of Thirsty Bear, and Scott Cox taking out the third place. Scott's uh, not on a team right now. I'm not sure what team he's riding for. We talked to him a few weeks ago. Um, he just He's no longer riding for with my spikes. Uh, Chris Baker, fourth place, and Lucas Paz of Kai Velo Racing, taking one through five. Okay, so what happened there was this was maybe 30 riders. Let's see what they have. 35 or so. Small field, a lot of strong guys. It was a little windy, and uh, break goes off early. It gets reeled in. Then another break goes. I let it go up the road, and it gets a little bit of distance, and then I'm make a jump for it. 
So I try to go across and I do, I make it across with a few other people and then look back about a I don't know, half lap and it's, it's fields all together. And right as that happens, another group goes and they, they counter right off of that as we've been pulling on the front and they get a little bit of a gap as well. So I'm thinking, okay, well, those guys look dangerous. Uh, and there's like seven of them that go up the road. Um, I then try to make an attack to go with them to, to, to bridge up there again. That gets brought back. As soon as that gets brought back, another three group go, which is Scott Giles, Scott Fonseca, and I'm not sure who the other one. It might have been the Kai Velo guy, the, um, Lucas Paz. They go up and I'm you know, there's none have a lot and no one's really else going. So there's 11 guys going now up the road and it doesn't come back. So now it's up to me. And I think it's uh, Michael Charlton of the red Peloton team. We're trying to get up the road, either one twos or drilling it on the front ourselves to try to make it up. And it's not happening. And what gets frustrating is it gets really close to bringing that group back multiple times and look, this is, I'm going to say all these things and I'm going to say them in the context of being the guy that's just the, that didn't make it, that's kind of the sore loser in a way. So take it where you will, but it gets very frustrating. I don't mind guys, you know, you guys hear the thing of I'm blocking for my teammate and that's perfectly fine, but I get real fr- frustrated with them uh, getting, look, there's two or three of us that are consistently pulling. I had a 20, one of my best 20 minute power efforts for the year in a, in a crit trying to pull this shit back. Uh, that shouldn't happen, but it is. And I'm on the front and I'm working hard. And then these guys roll in the, in the line and they gum it up. And I know that's what you do, but when we're all willing to work, you know, they had the San Jose bike club team. I asked those guys a few times, you have guy up the road. Yeah. We have a guy in the break. Okay. And they're just sitting five, six wheels back. They're not getting in, in the way. They're letting us do our thing. Perfectly fine. This blocking shit you get, um, which fine, you know, it actually worked. So kudos to you. But it's the kind of thing that you see in a lot of cat three races. If you want to race at a higher level and you start doing that stuff, you're going to have some, some, some serious issues about, you know, what? write me if I'm wrong and please, I'm, I'm open to discussions on this. I'll be glad to hear anybody's input. And, um, but basically it gets frustrating. We didn't, we don't bring them back. Scott Giles, of course, is a strong rider. He ends up soloing off, I believe for the win. Um, one of those teams that was blocking really good. You know, there's multiple guys in there that you look down and you're like, you didn't have a team up the road. Why are you not helping? I, I, it blows me away that they're happy to be racing for 12th, which is exactly what we were. And then the last lap lead out was ridiculously strong for 12th place. And I'm like, you know, and plus those guys that were doing blocking and everything, they're, they're, the riders don't win, you know, some of the, and, and then Dean, Dean, um, Pete's, he gets in a wreck, you know, he, I don't know if he would have been, you know, he had Jay up the road and, and Jay wasn't likely going to win out of that group. It always, I don't know. It's always interesting. I, I'm more of a sore loser on this one because I was really disappointed in the way that things went for me. But, um, anyway, congratulations to everybody. Uh, hope, hope it went out well for, for you. Last thing we'll mention here is Rick Reiner. Folsom bike ends up winning the masters 50, 54 group over Rick Morgan and Joseph Stern. Uh, they had four of them in a break that were pretty good gap up the road. John Begley ends up winning the field sprint for HSR racing. Too bad, too bad for Sean. Cause, um, you know, he probably could have done, done pretty well. Otherwise in the 55 group, you have uh, Joe Foster and Kevin Metcalf and then Jerome Nadal taking the, the win on the field sprint. So that one, they had, they had a big gap up the road. 
the Masters, and I did see the end of that one. I didn't see the end of this one, though. The 60-64, Tim Davis wins that of Cycle Sport. Jim Sullivan, Clean Power, and Kevin Willits of Body Concept. Masters 65-69, Jeff Wickham, Gilberto Flores, and John Berg. And uh, that's about as far as we're going to go for here today. NorCal winners and losers. Well, I'm going to pick, I'll pick Rick Reinhardt for the 55s, winning that one. Um, he's had a pretty good season. Uh, he's a pretty decent guy. We see him quite a bit around the area. Ride with him. I know he's been focusing on this. And he um, his finish was pretty impressive. Came around there, kind of led in the corner. Two guys jumped around him, and then he was able to close him out. Losers, I'm going to pick myself for this one, for the way that things went uh, for me in the Masters. Uh, pretty disgusted with, with how I ended up ending that one. So what are you going to do? And also for my, my throat tonight. Things that make you go hmm. Things that make you go hmm. Well, Ben King gets a win at the Vuelta. Really got his career started off in a crazy breakaway at Nationals in 2010. And then he's had a smattering of World Tour uh, results. Uh, that one I told you about was the Trenor Adriatico. The winner was Contador. He was third that day in 2014. He's won a stage in 2015 of uh, Criterium International. First in 2016, stage two of the Amgen Tour of California. He had a third in the 2016 uh, stage four of the Vuelta. The winner that year was Calmajan. And... Um, He's really, he's really had a good, pretty good 2018, obviously, of Vuelta. One thing he decided to do, though, they did a, a heat preparation uh, for the Vuelta, where he was enclosed in a, like a tent with a bunch of heaters and doing Zwift so they can figure out his hydration. And basically, he was, uh, he smashed, I don't know, power for quite some time in a tent. So good for him. Uh, and lastly, you had uh, Johan Bernil has been ordered to pay $1.2 million dollars. Some of that's a different form of damages. So he may be, I don't know if the, how they're going to enforce any of that with him because in the CIA, it comes to the U.S., it's probably not going to happen. So I'm very interested in to know what his uh, financial state is and to see if he's ever going to be able to uh, get that taken care of or if they're, if they're ever going to be able to collect. All right, so what's coming ahead? We have, well, we, like I said, we just, uh, tomorrow, actually today was the San Francisco um Giro de San Francisco. We'll have to figure out how that goes. I didn't see any results on that one yet. Red Bull Bay Climb, uh, District TT Championships, Oakland GP, and the Henleyville Road Race. Still have the Vuelta, the August uh, 25 and up to September 16, and the USA Crit Series, the final on September 15th. So then we have our, our mailbag. I got an interesting inquiry on my Strava. Um, this is from a 2012 segment, and it says, Hey, Tyler. Can you please delete this writing day file as it has you riding 48.8 miles per hour through one segment? The segment is so flat, obviously a Strava mistake. It ruins the fun of Strava when these mistakes take up the leaderboard. Thank you. So I'm just wondering, uh, this guy does a time trial bike and he sprints on the, the trail. So I'm just wondering if anybody um, thinks I should delete this whole file. I mean, it's, it's a good ride otherwise. Um, you let me know. All right. Well, thanks for joining the Between Two Wheels podcast. As always, subscribe, share the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, whatever podcast service you use. And for this week, we'll also be on the Between Two Wheels podcast YouTube channel. Check us out on Facebook and we will be seeing you at the next race. Thank you.